was just extraordinary, Sophie. Isn't that amazing? Where do these little girls we have in our church come with these like enormous voice boxes? You would think they'd have to come with voice box attached. It's something they add to a trolley. They carry around. It's like it's just ridiculous. That's a, that's not even normal. That's a, <laughs> wonderful. So good. Fantastic. We just love to worship, don't we? And uh, love to celebrate the gifts and talents that are in the house. And, and uh, just to honor those who serve and, and give. And uh, it's just so good. So uh, we're continuing our series of 40 Days of Thanks. And uh, this tonight I want to speak about transformation. You know, um, back, in the, back in the winter time, or actually towards the end of winter time, it was, it was coming towards... Uh, when the skiing season was coming to an end, some of you may remember, I took um, Bo and, and Josh um, up onto the lake to uh, get some final skiing in before the uh, season completely finished. And um, now, he- here's the thing with skiing, right? I'm not really a skier. Um, actually, I'm not a skier at all. So, uh, I've only been up a few times, and on each occasion I look like an aeroplane crash on the side of a mountain. And uh, so, um, but I, I go and um, I take Boaz, and Boaz has done a bit of snowboarding because he's too cool to ski, of course. And uh, so snowboarding is the thing. And uh, so I take uh, Bo um, up with me, and uh, we, we get kitted up, and we've got Josh. And Josh, um, uh, who's playing the drums, Josh... Um, is um, because he comes from a posh family, uh, <laughs> he skis and uh, snowboards. Sorry, doesn't ski. Uh, that's a rude word for teenagers, isn't it? Skiing and uh, so he snowboards as well. So so Josh can snowboard and is confident snowboarding. He's got a brother um, lives up uh, in Dingwall who's just ridiculous uh, and can do every kind of physical thing that man can do uh, in dangerous form. I mean, and uh, so Josh is following in these wonderful footsteps. And, and so, and Bo um, has done a bit of snowboarding. Um, he's done enough to know that um, it hurts when it falls, when you fall. And so he's going up with the cautiousness of, of someone who's like, I'm with my mate. He knows what he's doing. But, you know, I know what it feels like. And I'm going up as dad, you know, skis, boots, hat, gloves. How hard can it be? And uh, so, and uh, you know, it's uh, people are like coming down. They look like it's not going to hurt that much. So I get up, up the top, and I discover that all the skill sets that I thought I had didn't translate from here to here. <laughs> and I'm struggling to get down. I and Bo, who was naturally cautious, sensible, is off. He's just off. Him and Josh. They're off. They're, they're off down the, the mountain. And, and I'm kind of like, I'm looking, and I'm, I've discovered that now the only way to get down is to slide to the next crash, get up, slide to the next crash, get up. And that's my sort of process. So my sort of zigzagging across, crash, get up, ow, crash, slide. <laughs> that's another way of getting down, sliding. And... Uh, so, in various sort of forms. And uh, so, that was my process of getting down. And, and what I discovered was this, that the only way to get down was to learn how to ski down. And the only way to learn how to ski down is to go through that pain. 
of learning what mistakes you're making, learning the process of what you're going through until the transformation begins to take place. Now, unfortunately for me, well, probably more fortunate for my neck more than anything, is that was the end of the ski season. <laughs> there, was, there was almost no snow left on the mountain anyway, and uh, it had all pretty much all gone, and uh, I had no more chances. So until it snows again, I don't have any chance to hurl myself off the side of a mountain, and, uh, which I promise I will do. And uh, just to prove a point that I'm, I can do it, I may be knocking on the door of 50, but I'm still going to do it. And uh, I'm going to be that skiing dude, that James Bond character and, uh, that I imagine myself to be. And, uh, but transformation is just one of those incredibly difficult things to get a hold of. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 8, it says, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. Um, about a letter that he has sent to them because of just some of the things that have been going on in their lives. He says, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. That's, there's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal and such a readiness to punish wrong. You've showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. You know, we live in a world that is obsessed with transformation, but transformation without pain. They, you, um, you'll see... Um, the headline men's magazines were, well, uh, get this um, body in six weeks. And there's a guy there who's been working out for like six years. And you just look at it and you're just going, don't lie to me. <laughs> I've worked out for six weeks, non-stop. And I didn't look any different to the way I look now. And what you're promising is the most ripped man in the world. It doesn't exist. Men like that are not normal. They, there's something wrong with their DNA. They, they've got a disease or something. It's not human. It's ungodly. And it's just not right. Men don't have that kind of ripple thing going on. It's, it's normal to have like a curve. I believe that's normal, guys. It's normal to get just one kind of like structure and not... And not to have that thing going on where it's like you've got like a climbing frame or something. <laughs> Maybe that's what the ladies want. Anyway, so... <laughs> I don't know, but... The world is offering this kind of... Six weeks, get a, get a, a belly like this. It's just not going to happen. They're offering transformation that doesn't exist. It, you, you can't do it that way because there's no transformation without pain. You see, what happens in where we are today to where we want to be 
the difference between where we are and where we want to be is a place called pain. And pain is the only thing that we can go through that will enable us to get into that transformed place. You see, what we want to transform without pain, but it is impossible to get to that place. Do you know, uh, one of the things that people talk about so romantically, we talk about the butterfly. You talk about, I even feel embarrassed talking about butterflies because they're such pathetic creatures, aren't they? And uh, we were all the butterfly. I feel like I should have floating chiffon sort of... <laughs> I see a butterfly resting upon you. Jesus loves you. And uh, so, but a butterfly, people talk about butterflies in the most romantic terms. This wonderful, this, this plain, boring caterpillar has been transformed beautifully into this amazing butterfly. And the Lord says, you're going to be transformed from, yes, this rather dull, boring creature, but you may think you are, but God has made you this wonderful, beautiful butterfly. Look, I want you to understand something. What a butterfly goes through is simply sick. It's horrible. That transformation process is, is disgusting. I think is the word. We talk about the transformation of a butterfly as being beautiful. It's not beautiful at all. It's vile. It's that if you were to look at this thing under the microscope, it turns into jelly soup. It was a creature of some... Now it's transformed into jelly soup. Who thinks that is beautiful? The result is amazing, but the transformation is disgusting. I need you to understand that transformation is not a great thing to go through, but it's the only thing that will enable us to get to the other side. And so there are many things in our lives that cause us to desire, that we desire, we look to get to that place, to be transformed, to to understand that there are things holding us back. And we look at our lives and and in our lives and we want to be transformed. We want to get into that place where God is, is kind of working from us. We know there's a scripture that says we are being transformed from glory to glory. And, and we think that means that we are evolving. We have this sort of, um, we think there's a sort of an evolving process in God where we evolve from, from one thing to the next thing. But I, I want you to understand you are not evolving. God is transforming you by the process of your heart working with Him on a daily basis. And the glory that is coming upon your life, the blessings of God upon you, are only coming upon you because of the pain you're prepared to go through to deal with the issues in your heart and in your life that helps you to get to the other side. And you know, transformation is a really, really difficult thing to go through. It says in Luke chapter 15, this is the story of the prodigal son. We had Pastor Tom Rawls here do a, a, an extraordinary and very dramatic presentation of the prodigal son in Luke 15 verse 20. It says, so he returned home to his father. This is a young man that had been wealthy, that had lived the high life, had gone through a difficult process of going bust, of no, having no money, losing his friends, and then uh, working in a pig farm and eating the pig feed. And he suddenly realizes his own father's servants are doing better than him. And he thinks, he, at least if he can be a servant, 
he'll be better off. So he says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Here's the thing about transformation. We have to come into a place of humility of heart and accept that God is in control of our lives. And if we can yield to Him, if we can worship Him, then the process of transformation can begin to take place. What happens is that we stop transforming when we start believing that we're in charge. When we start pursuing our own dreams, our own heart, when we start pursuing the things that we think that we want for ourselves, the things which we believe are ours, the, um, just that sense of this is mine, this is my right, this is, this is, this is for me, I, I want this, this is what I want, a pursuit of our own life. And what happens is that as a Christian, we tend to be a little schizophrenic. Can I say that in church? Get away with that. And everyone's, everyone's sort of nodding, looking at the person next to them. But I think that we all suffer a little of schizophrenia. <laughs> and, uh, so <laughs> and, and we suffer that because we, we have one aspect of our life where it's, yes, Jesus, I love you, I worship you, Jesus. And then we have another aspect. And it can be, be completely different areas. We, we, we may just be wonderful worshippers. We just love to worship God. We may study the word, but we may, be, we may just have a different area of our life. Maybe in your finances or your relationships or, your, or, or, or just different, your pursuit of your dreams, the things of your heart, just different areas. We, we, can have, we can be walking with Jesus one area, but the other area we have a secret life. A life we think that, is okay with Jesus because he hasn't killed us yet. <laughs> I, I, I'm amazed that the, well, the Bible speaks a lot about sin, right? And sin's not a cool word for the 21st century, is it? It's a, I've thought of trying to think of another word to use instead of sin. Sin. And anyway, so, you've, there are, you know, it's not a cool word, but, but sin is, is a whole host of independence and rebellion against God. It's, it's any number of things. And, and we can... I'm amazed at the amount of people that can really just sin. I mean, really properly sin. I mean, just, just go whole... And believe that Jesus is okay with them because he hasn't killed them yet. He's still blessing them. And, and here's the thing. The prodigal son, he was living the most outrageous life and... And God never killed him. And, and, and he lived it for a long time thinking he was okay because he was okay. Not realizing he had created his own use by date. That there was a, a point at which his life could no longer continue in that momentum. If you make a decision that isn't lined up with the things of God around your life, if you are pursuing, if you're, you can be coming to church every week. I don't care how many times you come to church. If the, your heart is pursuing areas of your life that is not 
in line with God's word and his promises, there is a use-by date on your life. And it will come to an end. Not the breathing bit of your life, just the sense of fulfillment. Your life will stop at a moment and things will start crumbling down around you. That's just the fact of life. There are many people here who can testify to having experienced that process. We, Cheryl and I, have been there and have held the hands of many people who've made those mistakes and just watched their life begin to crumble, thinking they got away with it, discovering they didn't. See, see, see there, is a, there is a pain that we have to go through, but there is two types of pain. And Paul says in the church, to the church, he's going, I, I'm, I was sorry I caused you pain. That's the father heart of Paul, who's going, I don't, I don't like making you cry. It's like watching, it's just watching your children cry if you told them off. I don't want to tell you. And I mean, sometimes it was quite nice, but, you know, so, but, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but just that sense of, just that sense of going through that sort of agony. But I was glad your sorrow was godly and not worldly. Because worldly sorrow doesn't produce anything. Because worldly sorrow would lead to depression. It leads to anguish. It leads to a self-centeredness. Whereas godly sorrow produces a result of fruitfulness. It produces a deliverance. The world doesn't want you to be offended. It doesn't want you to, to face what is wrong. You're, you're not allowed to tell anyone. They're doing something wrong. But, but I want you to know that it's better to be told it's wrong that you might get it right than to watch you go through the agony that destroys your life. Isn't that true? We want to get it right. And we don't want to get it right because we ha- are obliged to live this life that is, that is just perfect. We want to get it right Because we want to live in the fullness of the blessings of God that flow from heaven. There is a flow of God's blessing that flows down from heaven. And and we want to turn away from those things. You know, there are are simply things in our lives that... There are some things in our life that you can't call sin, but they're still wrong. Supposing Cheryl and I were called to come here to Scotland and supposing we hadn't gone... Supposing I've gone, you know what? Yeah, it's too much of a risk, really. I'm not going to go to Scotland. I'm going to stay where I am. And I'm going to just carry on with my business. That, you know, at what point do you call that sin? You could call it sin, but nobody would understand. Nobody else would look at us and go, you've sinned. Because you can't see any sin. We're still going to church, still tithing. We're still up the front worshipping, still there serving the pastor, still helping out, taking around the trays. But we didn't go to Scotland. Imagine that. Imagine we didn't go. We didn't do this. What's the difference? What do you call that? The Bible calls it dead works. Stuff that you're doing that God doesn't want you to do. He wants you to do something else. So technically it's not sin, but... It's not producing life. 
Because it's not where God wants you to be. And the only thing that produces life is where God wants you to be. And now that's the question for your life. And where God wants you to be, He doesn't just want you in church on a Sunday. He wants you in church on a Sunday invigorated that your Monday may be fruitful. Your Tuesday may be fulfilling. Your Wednesday may be winning. Oh, I'm on something here. Your your Thursday (laughs) thriving and your Friday free. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Cheryl. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, <laughs> Saturday's off. And uh, <laughs> uh, Hebrew, uh, Hebrews 9 and verse uh, 14, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You know, When Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, they had grown up in a world far more secular than we are used to right now. We're used to a very secularized society. We we are used to a society that, that has decided that God does not exist. That has decided that faith in God, to believe in creation, to believe in those simple principles is somehow... Almost morally wrong. We, we live in a society like that. That's a, that's a society that exists in that environment. But this is what happens. God wants us to live according to His Word in conflict to the way the world thinks. And Paul is writing to the church, when he's talking to the Corinthian church, the Corinthian church lived in a far more secular society. And what that meant is that society imprints itself upon us without us even knowing. The values that we hold, the values that we hold today are so, so different to the values we held 20, 30 years ago. Just so different. I remember in church, maybe... 18, 20 years of age, they're having a discussion. Do you think they will ever ban parents from smacking children? And the whole church again, society would never put up with it. We all love smacking our kids. <laughs> Today, it's considered child abuse. How much has society changed? Now, I'm not even going to go whether you think that is or not, but it's better odd, we're in the shop. Anyway, so. What happens is that society changes and it imprints itself upon you. And you find that your life becomes... You're doing things in life that are dead and you didn't even know you were. But to change, to change your life, to change your attitude, to change your thought life about yourself... How many of you have dead thoughts about your own life? How many of you have dead thoughts about the people around you? How many of you are sitting at this moment in time with a negative thought process about your close friends or your boss or your... How many of you are sitting there and just have got an ungodly belief about your marriage or your relationships? How many of you have got an ungodly belief about 
your future. Dead, what is that? That's your dead works. It's not an obvious sin, but it's, it's not lined up with what God says about you. And how, in other words, there's a better way of living. There's a way of living which empowers everything around you. There's a way of living that takes you into a place of liberty and freedom in Christ. And it's changed through your thinking. And your thinking has to change. So it's not just about positive thinking. It's not just about thinking better thoughts. It's about kneeling before God and saying, God, I am sorry. It's realizing that the enemy is laying traps in front of your life and he's laying traps so that you may fall into them that you may never discover the truth of what God has got for you. I remember Rob Smiley, pastor of a church now down in Eastbourne. He used to pastor in East Kilbride. And Rob, whose brother is John, down on the... uh, church, um, air church in, on the west coast. Rob um, preached many, many years ago and he said he was praying for a bicycle for his daughter to give his daughter a bicycle. Uh, and he's praying and he, he didn't have enough money. The church is very poor. He was very poor. He couldn't afford a bicycle to give his daughter for their birthday, uh, for a birthday present. This daughter is actually now um, Ben Donovan who pastors um, in um, Ben and Rebecca. Yeah, it's, <laughs> That was badly told, yeah, yeah. She went through transformation. (laughs) Very tall, deep voice. That's quite amazing. Anyway, so... (laughs) I hope they listen to this podcast. And uh, so, but Ben and Becky, they now pastor in Manchester. And Manchester INC Church. And uh, so when Becky was a child, Rob wanted to give her a bicycle. And he's praying... And he's praying, and he, he's praying for the, that he gets enough money to buy, to buy a bicycle. And he gets a knock on the door, and this fella comes to him and says, I've got a bike for you. Do you want the bike? And he's thinking, wow. There's, and he looked at this bike, and it was just the mangiest, rusty, most horrible thing you ever saw. It was more like a death trap. It's like, put your child on this, and she will die. <laughs> and he looked at it, and he just... He looked at it and he went, I'm not letting the devil answer my prayer. And I, that has been one of the most amazing revelations for my life that I've carried with me. Don't let the devil answer your prayer. In other words, don't let him offer you something that seems to give you an answer when it's not what God had intended for you. And Rob, he says, he says it's all right. I'm believing, yeah, it, no, thank you, but it's fine. <laughs> and he believed God for the money for a new bike because that's what he knew his daughter should have. Are you with me? It's, it's understanding that there is a, it's a different, but the pain that you go through in the transformation of your heart and in your mind, the agony of heart going, I could settle for this or I could go through the agony of change in my heart and in my life, knowing there is something greater down the track. See, God wants to transform us. For us to be transformed, we've got to thank Him. We've got to worship Him. We've got to lift Him up. We've got to honor Him. We've got to hold Him before all people to lift Him and honor His name and to worship Him. The Bible says, let me just finish on this. The Bible says in Luke 
uh, chapter 12 and verse 8. It says, Also I say to you, who confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. What that's talking about is the blessings that lay upon our life. If we confess the Lord, if we worship the Lord, if we repent of our... <laughs> little bit of opera came out there. It was the demon opera that... It comes out every so often. That was, that was like the preparation for my funeral. That was... Just waiting for the box to come in to put me in it. <laughs> Scott Wilson calls this whale music. <laughs> I get to the part of the service when the whales come in. <laughs> you know, we've got to give our lives to Christ. We've got to be able to turn from the independence of our own thinking and go, God, I'm going to take a risk right here. I'm going to trust you for that transformation. You see, the gap between where we are and where God has got for us is too big for us to do on our own. We'll settle for less many times. We settle for the thing that's easiest to grab but will ultimately bring us harm. God wants us just put that aside and go, God, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to believe you for something greater. I'm going to believe that you're going to carry me across this gap that I can't get through by myself. Let's all pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, I thank you that your presence leads us into a place of humility and repentance. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that your hand guides us through even when we have been foolish, even when we have made mistakes. And your grace will always lead us home. Lead us through the pain of transformation and help us to discover the joy of following you. You know, tonight, this is what is most important for your life and that's making a decision to follow Christ. It's making a decision to stand up in your heart and say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to let Him transform me. I'm going to let Him move through my heart and through my life. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. And if that's you tonight, you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you in just a moment just to quickly lift your hand. If you want to give your life to Him, and just it's the declaration in your heart and you're saying, yes, I give my life to Jesus. If there's anyone here tonight, you've never given your life to Christ, this is a moment when you can just turn and acknowledge Him. Will you just quickly right now lift your hand and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. While everybody has got their eyes closed, I'm going to look across this room. I want you just right now to just lift your hand. If you've never given your life to Christ, just lift your hand right now. Is there anyone in this place today? 
You want to do that right now? Just lift your hand. I thank you, Father. I look across and give you just a few more moments. Is anyone, you've never given your life to Jesus, just quickly lift your hand. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for the work that you're putting into people's hearts and minds. We're going to pray a prayer. And this is a prayer uh, of dedication, a prayer of giving our lives to Christ. And it's a prayer of allowing that transformation to take place in our heart. Let's all pray together, shall we? Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me and you hold me safe. I ask you to forgive me of all my mistakes, all my bad decisions. I ask you to come into my heart, cleanse me, set me free. I thank you, Jesus, that you never reject me, but you always hold me keep me safe. I commit my whole life to you. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's appreciate our God tonight, shall we? Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.